Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today we have a special guest with me. I was going to say with us, but it's just me today. Um, everyone, say hello to Madison. Hello, Madison. Hi. <laughs> um, Madison is one of our Patreon members, and this month she was chosen to co-produce an episode with me today. So this month's topic is all about spring cleaning for our businesses and the transitions that can happen in your sourcing and selling. So let's just dive right in. Madison, introduce yourself to everyone. Hello, I'm Madison. I'm another local Rhode Islander and to Daniela. Um, I am a part-time reseller. I started a few years ago. Um, I'm also, I work at our local children's hospital and I'm currently completing my dietetic internship to be a registered dietitian. Should be done by the end of May. So yay. Congratulations. I know it's been a long time coming. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I resell on the side. Um, I started a few years ago, I want to say 2019, um, I just kind of randomly started. Um, I had always done consigning in the past. Um, I think I just stumbled upon Poshmark, the app, like most people do, sold a few things and then thought, wow, I like this a lot more than consignment. Yeah. <laughs> so, Wait, but tell everyone where you worked before you started reselling. Oh, okay. So um, when I was a freshman in college, I worked at Savers. Mm -hmm. I had never even been in a Savers before, which now to me is shocking because the amount right. of times I'm in a Savers. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I worked there. Um, but for whatever reason, I didn't resell then. I just, again, consigned. Um, and I remember even going to our local consignment store. And when she found out that I worked at Savers, because I had been saying like, wow, I saw some woman, I sold a woman a Burberry skirt today like crazy and she was just like I don't understand why don't you buy stuff there why don't you and do it yourself it here <laughs> yeah she's like and I remember she was like you could just set a limit of like $20 a week to spend on stuff and then flip it here and I remember being like I don't know that seems kind of risky <laughs> <laughs> we have a crazy. question before you go yeah. on were you are do they have like a clause when you sign up to work at savers where you can't resell no no I don't okay. know if that's um, right. Still a thing. That would be still be a thing, but no, no one ever talked about that at all. Cause I know there's employees that work at Savers that definitely resell. Yeah, no, there, there definitely are. I do know that it was like kind of taboo to like, let's say I had friends that were shopping and I held their stuff and I bought it at the end of my shift. Yeah. They'd get annoyed at stuff like that. Um, cause they didn't want you to take advantage of like the discount, but that was really, like, really the only weirder thing. And you couldn't hold anything for yourself, right? It had to stay on the floor for what is it? Three days. Um, yeah, it had to be on the floor for three days, but you could like, you could find something while you were working and put it behind the counter. Ah. It just had to, so you can find stuff. I mean, that's what happened. I would like find stuff my whole shift. And then I would have like a pile at the end of my shift. Um, cause you get 50% off. So so good it was so good yeah and I mean people hid stuff but I don't know I'm sure there's people that hid stuff in the it. back <laughs> yeah but I know like people that worked in um the back they would also like I know the people that did the oh, what is it called I can't think Pricing, of it. the people that do production the people that do production but mostly people that do furniture like people yeah. that are like breaking down the actual like the um, bales that come in mm. I know like they would be privy to like 
actually seeing people donate iPhones and stuff. I also dated somebody that worked in the back and I know that they stole a lot of iPhones oh, I'm sure they did. and like stuff like that. So yeah. Fun. I'm sure we could do a whole episode of like former savers and goodwill employees, and it would be hysterical to hear some of the stories. Yep. Customers <laughs> alone is terrifying. Yeah. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, back to you. So Maddie used to work at Savers before she was a reseller. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you started reselling in a couple of years, 2019. 2019, 2020. Yeah. Do you still do consignment? I do. Um, I actually have an appointment coming up. Really? super infrequently now it's just when I'm super sick of something yeah um, a point I wanted to make today actually is I think that people should do consignment when it's something that maybe doesn't translate well in a photo because mm. I find that sometimes you have something and you're like this is such a cute thing I feel like if somebody personally was in the store saw yeah. it had the opportunity to try it on they would buy it and I feel like that's what I mostly bring stuff to consignment for is if it's something that's been sitting and I know it's cute, I know someone's going to buy it if they physically saw it and got to try it on. That's where I have my most, my best work with consignment. That's a good point. I never even thought about that because some pieces, it's true. They just don't translate well in a photo. And it is a piece you'd need to see, hold, touch, like that whole thing, put it on your body in order to know if it's something that you'd want to purchase or not. And I feel like that's um, a struggle that you see with people that are starting to uh, buy on the resale markets. I feel like you can always tell because they ask those kind of questions that mm-hmm. you can't really translate online to someone unless you mm-hmm. physically put it on for them, which yes, I can't put on half the stuff that I'm sourcing. So yes. yeah, that, that's a good point, Madison. I never even thought about that. Um, so what made you start the reselling journey? Like, why did you want to do it? It was like a goal in mind or just, you just liked it? Um, at that time, I just liked it. I've always had way too many clothes. I, um, I was best dressed in high school. Um, so I accumulated lots of clothes. Um, and I always had a hard time getting rid of them. Um, so just because I hold on to things for too long. So I just basically liked to sell, to make a little bit of money. But, um, as I neared um, my time applying for my internship, I definitely used that as a goal, um, to save money for, for that. So last year, I really, in addition to my other job, but I really tried to save as much money as I could flipping things, um, on Poshmark so that I could, um, work as little as possible this year. And this year, um, my goal was, just to um, make enough money reselling for like spending money or things here and there, because I saved enough money that I have like my rent, my gas, my groceries, like all the things I technically need to survey quote survive, right, right, but right. I don't have any like extra money. So it's more motivation for me to, do I want to pick up a shift at the hospital right, <laughs> or right. would I rather sell some clothes? I'd rather sell clothes clearly because I've only worked two shifts the whole year. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's my motivation is, is that, but I also just, I love, I went, when you go thrifting, as you know, you end up finding all this great stuff that, you know, someone else is going to love. So it's just that thrill of finding something that, you know, you can flip. Yeah. It's like mixing your love of fashion and your love of dressing with the thrill of hunting and finding it and then getting someone else to wear it. Yes. Like 
you're collecting the pieces, but you know that they're going to go somewhere else. Like you're not holding on to them for yourself. And that's kind of like yes. where I fall into it too, a little bit. I have always loved fashion and I've always loved dressing and the newest and the greatest of whatever it is. Right. And, um, but I also like to rotate things. I don't like to keep stuff. I don't like to keep things in my closet. There's, there are some pieces that I have kept for years and years, but there is quite a few pieces that after like two or three months, I'm like, okay, this was fun, but I moved on to something else. So it's even like that creating that income for myself so I can just buy the next thing that I want. So I'm just constantly like rotating. The money's just constantly circulating. And then obviously like you did save money. That's obviously a goal Mm -hmm. as well. But I think as as, um, maybe you guys are listening might resonate with this, but as someone who loves fashion and just dressing and different things frequently, reselling is a great way to do it. And thrifting. And the, and the great thing is like, sometimes you'll have your eye on something and you'll finally buy it, or you'll finally see it at the thrift store, like the exact or something close mm-hmm. to what you wanted. And then sometimes you absolutely hate it. So it yeah. ended up working your benefit and you're like, okay, well I'll sell this. Somebody else will like it. But also like, I'm glad I didn't spend X amount of dollars on it because mm-hmm. I can try it out and it just did not work for me. So that's how I feel about my shoes and handbags now, or like accessories, I guess, wallets, all that kind of stuff. When I was younger, I would want to go to the outlet and pay whatever it was to get the style that I wanted. Like I'd be on the hunt for it and wait for it to go to the outlet so I could buy it because it'd be crazy expensive to buy in the mall. Mm-hmm. But now because I like to rotate those things. So for even shoes, like shoes are such like a weird thing where I guess before I started reselling, um, I didn't really think about secondhand shoes. Cause it just kind of, not that it grossed me out, but it was kind of like yeah. I want new ones. Why would yeah. I want used ones where now I'm like, all right, I thought I really liked this style and I wore it like twice and now I don't love it anymore. And I'm not that invested in it because at most, you know, if I bought it on Poshmark and it's like a regular pair of shoes, maybe I spent 30, 40 bucks on it. Or if I found a thrift store, maybe I paid 12 or 15, you know, and, and I'm exactly. okay with now making money on it. I wore it twice. didn't love it. It's gone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On. yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I'm like, eh, I'm done with you move on. And then it's great mm-hmm. when you sell it. Cause you're like, now I can use this money to either reinvest my business or buy something else that I really want now. Yes. <laughs> um, but now that we know who you are as a person, um, I want the whole point of this episode. And I love this topic that you came up with Maddie, because I think that as we're approaching the end of quarter one, like quarter one's coming to a wrap very soon. And there have been a lot of things happening in the community. There's been a lot of adjustments and changes with algorithms and all this other stuff that, um, we see on social media and we are, we're experiencing ourselves on various platforms. I think we're at a point now where we kind of have to think about what direction we want to go in. Are there things that we're holding on to that maybe just don't make sense anymore? Should we just take the time to eliminate certain pieces from our life and take that money or, or just start over, right? Count it as a loss and just start over kind of thing. So I think this is like a really great time to start talking about this because spring cleaning is in general, like you know, you spring cleaning your house, whatever it is, your closet, but we're going to talk about our business. So kind of all in lines the same way. So let's start with inventory cleanup. And I recently did an inventory cleanup at the start of the new year. I wanted to start the new year with like going through everything, creating boxes, sending it out and just organizing, having an actual system. And I know you're trying to do the same thing as well and kind of seeing what you're with the inventory that you're getting what's coming in and you know what direction you want to go in with your business 
Um, how is your inventory system right now? Do you use totes? Do you use bins? Like, what does that look like for yourself? I use bins, but again, I'm so cheap and I don't want to buy a <laughs> lot of buy bins. more bins. Yep. My current <laughs> situation as well. Yeah. I, I did invest in some more at the start of the new year, but there's never enough. That's the problem. You, you always buy a million and then somehow you still have too much stuff. So, um, but I would say bins, I don't have, um, I purchased those things that Lori mentioned, the, the tote, tote scans. Oh, tote scans. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you where they are. So <laughs> I've used them, but they're somewhere in that realm of, of whatever um, in my room. So um, right now I'm just using totes and they're, I mean, bins, but they're, it's not as organized as I'd like it to be. I just basically have it kind of separated into things that make sense. Like I have an activewear bin, a women's tops bin, women's sweaters bin. I don't super do a lot of men. So that's my issue is like today I had a men's shirt that I went to put away and I was like, oof, where, where do I put go? this? Yeah, exactly. So, so I put it with women's shirts, but I know that as soon as I sell it, I'm going to be like, where is that? Um, yeah. So I had a very similar system before I started doing the tote scan. Um, I kind of just did it in places that made sense. Like, okay, all of, well, I, cause I didn't have as much space before all of like my new tag items were all in one bin because it was just easier for me to know that's my bin with new tag. And then like random things would go in another one. And then I had all jeans in one, or I tried to anyway, but in the bigger space that I have now, I finally decided to, to invest in tote scan and create a system. So now there's still, I still have like broad categories. So I still have, I have a Lululemon bin. Like that's the only one that I really have designated to some things. I have so much Lululemon and my other mm -hmm. active wear, which is like other brands have their own bin. You know, I have dresses, I have tops, I have jeans, I have all that kind of stuff. Um, the nice thing about the tote scan is that I can just type in what it is that I'm looking for. I'll mm -hmm. look in and I'll be okay. It's in one nine nine U or whatever. And I'll go to that bin. I don't have a number system within my totes yet. And I know some people were like, well, why didn't you just set that up when you were doing your, your inventory <laughs> system? I'm like, well, because I don't feel like I need that yet because I'm not at a place where it's hard for me to find the pieces. Mm -hmm. I think once I get to that place where I'm like, okay, I need a number system now, then maybe I'll, I'll do that. But like the way I have it set up, it takes me less than five minutes to pull my sales. So why That's would I an change anything? Right. Like mm -hmm. my struggle before was I couldn't find anything and I would spend a half hour pulling my sales. So I've already decreased my time. Mm -hmm. I do think that it's important in general, no matter what time of year it is, that if you don't haven't created an inventory system to at least start thinking about what it is that you want to do. And it doesn't have to be bins. It could be boxes, it could be racks or shelves that you have. Like there's no right or wrong on how you create an inventory system. The main point of it is, are you accounting for everything? Like is everything accounted for that you're selling or that mm -hmm. you need to sell? Um, can you easily locate it when it's time to ship it? So you're not scrambling and you're like, I think I lost this piece. I don't know where it is. Like, I think those are the two most important things. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just having... Mm -hmm. it written down somewhere. I just think it's so important. And I wish exactly. I did it years ago because <laughs> it's tough. It's definitely tough. Have you run into situations where you can't account for something and you sell it and you're like, mm, I knew you're somewhere. Yes, but not as frequently as you'd think. Um, that's good. That's probably, it's probably only happened twice to be honest with oh, you. Wow. And once it was a pair of, um, 
pants that I sold for my mom. So I must admit, I really didn't care. <laughs> she will not let me live it down. And I found those pants recently and she was like, are you kidding me? Um, but I'll no, just, I first list them again, mom, that'd be deal. No. Um, but no, surprisingly not, but I do hate the panic of, oh my God, like if something sold that you can't even think of the last time you saw it and you just instantly are dreading going to go look for that item. Cause you're thinking you definitely not there. Yeah. And I think the other part of it too, is if you send things off to consignment or to yes. like the real real or Fred up or local, it doesn't matter. There have been moments where I'm like, did I not delete this? And I threw it in a box and now it's sold. And now what do I do? Like, mm-hmm. I definitely had those moments before and it's happened twice to me that I've done that. Not recently, mm-hmm. but when things were in shambles, it definitely happened. And I just remember feeling like, just, just the feeling of that, like, oh, come on. Like really, mm-hmm. Daniela? Like, it's just something so simple. You just missed out on a sale because you didn't take the right measures in the beginning. And I like that just plays into the whole organizational thing of Mm -hmm. having a business. Um, what, what I do is when I take stuff to consignment, um, I usually don't take a ton. Um, like I said, so I might take at max 25 pieces. That's pretty generous. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just quickly snap like a super whatever photo of the item, like just Mm. even the fabric um, going in and then, um, whatever I have, whatever they give me back. Cause they're usually going to give me back something. Yeah. I'll compare it with my photos and then I'll like, um, I don't know if this is making any sense. And then I'll oh, cross-reference is. the photos yeah. to make sure that I'm getting rid of those items from Poshmark. That's a good idea. Just so keeping a best, photo inventory of it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I will, I have asked before, like, Oh, can I take a photo of when they put the clothes on the rack? I'm like, Oh, can I take a photo of the clothes you just took? Like I saw online and I want to make sure that I'm not, um, you know, double dipping or putting it on twice. So that makes sense. Um, so I had a question on here and it was, uh, well, more like a statement, I guess, discussing, the importance of finding time to do this and forgoing other things that we like to do, like constantly sourcing or whatnot. Like this is the toughest part, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do we give up sourcing for like a week and just focus on the things that we need to focus on in our business, especially creating inventory system? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll share mine. I think it's important. I think it can be pretty revitalizing to be honest with you. Um, Sometimes you end up finding so many fun things when you're thrifting and then you have a pile of inventory. And even though it is great stuff, it's not like everything instantly sells. So then you're just, I don't know, I feel kind of guilty when I'm left with a lot of inventory, even if it is great and I know it will sell. Um, So I like to hold myself back a little bit, Um, but I definitely haven't been thrifting as much this year, but this month I've actually, I said I wasn't gonna thrift. I went thrifting one time, but I actually only went thrifting for myself. So honestly, like, I'm not even going to count that because my problem is I'll go thrifting. Um, every time I go to any store, I'm like, oh my God, I could sell that online. And then it turns, it makes everything, it turns everything into like a business thing and it takes the fun out of it. So I struggle with that too. Sometimes where I walk into the thrift store, I'm like, okay, today I'm going in to just look at home goods. Like that's all Mm -hmm. I want to look at nothing to sell. And then I somehow find my way to a section of things that I know that I can sell, or I'm looking for a top or something for myself because mostly at work, 
we're wearing casual pants. We're still not dressing up or anything. So I just want nice tops to wear and rotate. But then I end up looking at all of them and then it just takes the joy of shopping out, which is why I tend to lean a little bit like going. So if you're a local in Rhode Island, I go to Garden City, you know, it's an outdoor mall. Like I'll go there and look around at different stores and then end up spending money because I like the things that I'm finding. But like, unless I'm in that kind of location, it's really hard for me to shut off the the reseller brain in the thrift store. It's extremely difficult unless I'm in a consignment store. That's different. I'm in a consignment store. I can shut the reseller brain off because it's very curated. It's the pricing Mm -hmm. is different. Right. But it's hard to, to just shut it off and not be thinking profits the whole time. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that. Um, I am in the camp of you should stop everything that you're doing if something in your business isn't working right. Like, why continue to make the problem worse? I guess mm-hmm. is the way that I think about it because it, it works the same way in, in any other business, right? If something is failing or something is not, uh, the outcome is not what you want then you're going to halt production, whatever it is, and you're going to go back and you're going to not, not necessarily start over, but focus on the things that maybe are causing the decline or causing, causing you to be left behind and then rebuild and, and go on from there. I think it's difficult because the mentality and the culture online for reselling is you constantly have to be pushing stuff out. But if you're constantly pushing stuff out and it's not working for you, because the back end stuff isn't working for you, then what's the point? You're just making the problem worse. And people that's don't like how, to hear that, but. Mm-hmm. That's what my issue has been this year because this year I have really tried to make my cost of goods super low. And I've been um, pursuing the most amount of like free or close to free inventory uh, really that I ever have this year. And while that's a blessing, it can also be a curse because I can't tell you how much stuff I currently have that I just, not that I don't know what to do with it. I just have so much stuff and I have to really prioritize where is this going? What am I doing with this? Because while yes, it's free is great, you know. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. People give people gave me stuff for free that, you know, you wouldn't, like, come on. You, yeah. you didn't need to give me that. You could have. Yeah. <laughs> you could have used that to dust. Like, yeah, exactly. um, so... <laughs> So then you're just, you know, left with organizing all that stuff and deciding, you know, do I need to send it to thread up? Am I going to, you know, spend my time and take photos of it? You know, is this worth my time? Is this making me happy? Do I even like this piece? So that's a tough thing. It's a tough process because you need the inventory, right? And you want the inventory and you want the low cost of goods and people are giving it to you Mm -hmm. and you're grateful for it, but it's not necessarily items that align with your business and what you want out of your business. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we see this a lot with people that maybe um, live in areas where it's more difficult to thrift certain brands or that kind of stuff, right? So they're, they're picking up things that they can, and they may not necessarily be happy with these items, but they accumulate a lot of it and they kind of get like stuck in this. It's almost like a hamster wheel, right? Like you're just Mm -hmm. constantly going in that same direction and it's finding the right place, sorry, to break and 
like, okay, you have a fork in the road. Which way am I going to go? Am I just going to keep going down this direction that I'm going? Or am I going to stop and then reevaluate what's been happening and figure out what I need to do next? I think mm-hmm. that if a, like a hang up for you is that you struggle finding inventory, your things are just all over the place. Um, you feel disorganized in general when you're trying to pull sales or pulling sales takes a long time. I think if you're starting to feel that, that's your point to say, okay, I'm going to take three or four days. You want to take a full week, take a day if you mm-hmm. want, right? And I'm just going to dump everything and create a system, dump everything in the ground and figure out what it is that you want to do. Don't go to the thrift store for one day, two mm-hmm. days, whatever it is, or plan ahead go on a big trip a few days before, and then you have stuff that you can photograph and list, but then you also have the time to stay home and yes. organize everything, right? Like plan ahead kind of thing. I just think it's so important to do that. Um, I know I had to do that when I was starting to do my inventory system. I was like, I can't source period because I need to figure out what I'm doing with all these pieces that I currently have. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm in a good place, I feel comfortable to source. My new hangup is I'm sourcing and listing so much because I'm trying to build a little bit more this year that now when it comes to putting away the clothes, I struggle with that because I need, I know that I need to photograph a certain amount. So I have enough to list every day to hit what my daily listings need to be. But mm-hmm. then I just throw everything in a pile. And now I got to dedicate a day or two to like, well, I can't even dedicate a day or two. When I say a day or two, I mean like three mm-hmm. or four hours at night after I'm done mm-hmm. working, which I don't feel like doing. Yes. Um, <laughs> that that's part of the problem. Like you're in an internship all day. Do you feel like coming home and putting things away? No, no, absolutely not. No. So then it comes back to like, okay, how do I reevaluate this part of my inventory system? Basically when I'm done photographing and doing all the things I need to do with it, I have to package it, take the time to package it, put it in my inventory system and put it away at that, like at that moment when I'm doing, I think that's the only way that I would keep up with it. But then I, in my head, this is where it messes with me. It's going to take me so much longer in my photographing and listing process because now I'm taking an extra yes. 30 seconds, whatever it is, to package and put it away. And I think that's where I struggle with it. Where I'm like, I'm moving so fast. Why, mm-hmm. why am I stopping right now? But I think in order for me not to have an enormous pile, Maddie saw my pile, an enormous <laughs> pile of things. There's like a hundred pieces of clothing easily in that pile that needs to be put away. Now I'm selling things from the pile. So yay, but it's Mm -hmm. still growing and it needs to go in a tote. I also need to buy at least two more bins. I'm thinking two, maybe three bins. And then that pile won't exist anymore. I don't want to buy bins. I'm happy with the bins that I have. Are you part of your local buy nothing group on Facebook? Oh, I, don't, I don't even know where, where do I find this buy nothing group? Teach me. Um, if you go on Facebook, if you, I'm right pretty down. sure if you just type in like, uh, I think it, I think there's a full fledged website. That's buy nothing that's not on, or buy nothing Cranston. What do Cranston? I see you it. would do, you would do whatever is local to you, but okay. they're all throughout the U S um, I'm part of the buy nothing, like east side of providence one so that's like a very niched one yeah this um, one's but buy nothing edgewood cranston and elmwood i guess usually they have you um before they like let you in the group that'll ask you like what are the two cross streets or something just so they mm-hmm. know that you're actually from that area um but basically it's great um i was i was told about this from another dietitian that i work with who uses it all the time um 
you go on the group and there are a bunch of rules. Um, but it looks I like I'm reading it now. Um, yeah, I would look at the rules before you start. I did not. Um, but long story short, you can quote ask for things. So you could say like ask. It's very basic. So you'd put, you'd post on the group, say ask, and you'd say, hey, like I'm looking for some plastic storage bins if anyone has any. And then, you know, you'll post that and then people will comment if they have any for you to pick up or whatever. So, and it's all the premises, it's supposed to be free. No one is supposed to charge you anything. I'm pretty sure you'd get kicked out. Yeah, of it says here, this is not a place to buy, sell, rent, trade, barter, advertise, market, or request cash donations or loans. Ask your local group admin for a voucher coupon gift card policy. Um, or you can give stuff. So you just say give, you'd, you know, put a picture or not, but, and then you describe the item, you know, people will give like things from their, you know, canned goods that they just like, didn't like, they bought like a billion of whatever, and they didn't like it. So they want to give it away. Clothes, skis, amazingly expensive, like baby stuff. Like it's, it's crazy what people are giving That's away, awesome. but yeah. So, but you can use it, you know, to your advantage and ask for things that you need that you might have wanted to look for at the thrift store and maybe you just aren't finding them and you don't feel like waiting forever to find that item but you also don't feel like paying for it um so yeah I've I've used it quite a few times to give some stuff away and to um get some stuff I did get some storage events from there that's why I'm saying that you should I'm, I'm looking right now I, I feel the, I see the questions that it asks too so nice okay yeah all right, I'll have to do that when we're done. I will sign up for that because there's like four questions I need to answer and I can't focus on that, on, on doing that. Um, all right, so buy nothing groups. Look for it on Facebook. You heard it here first. I didn't even know about, I didn't realize that it was locate like town, city, location type mm -hmm. thing. That's cool because you know that you're focused on the areas close to where you live. So mm -hmm. that's nice. All right, so that's inventory. Do I have another question here? Hold on, I had another question. Where am I? Where am I in this process here? Okay, um, let's talk about listings because from inventory, right? We photograph and then we create listings. And I think this is where a lot of us reevaluate everything that we do in our business. If we notice that we're not selling things and we're like, okay, why? Like what's happening? Is it the way that I listed this item? Is it where it's listed? Am I doing something wrong? Is it the piece that I picked up? Like all these questions come into play. And I think this being that we're rounding out on quarter one, and it's so crazy to me that it's gonna be April at the end of this week. It's just wild. Um, like it's just the year is almost at the halfway point, which is it's just crazy, crazy right? Absolutely crazy. I think this is the time where you kind of start to look at things and say, all right, is this working for me? Should I maybe start going a different direction? I'm not hitting the numbers that I want to hit, or you know, if this is your full-time job only then you know this is your livelihood you need to be reevaluating all these things all the time um or if you depend on this like i have a full-time job but i do depend on my reselling money to fund other things in my life mm -hmm. um so if things aren't working for me i'm constantly like oh, okay what do i what do i need to do next is it the, what, what am i doing wrong kind of thing mm -hmm. so if we just start with listings okay and you have the opportunity you i yeah, i know you do this i do this to use consignment at what point do you make the decision with your listings that it's time to move on from consignment? Besides when you see a piece and you're like, okay, this would probably be better in a store kind of thing. Are there other factors that play into it to either send a thread up or the real, real, you know, whatever it is? Um, I try to send things to consignment that first of all, I'm not attached to mm -hmm. because I, I know that 
for my consignment. Technically, they say that you can come and retrieve the items. I wouldn't want to make them do that and run around the store and find my things. And I think that they just kind of say that. I'm sure that they don't really yeah. want to retrieve your items. Um, so I try to bring them things that I wouldn't feel sad about if they didn't sell, um, which means it's probably an item that's been sitting for way too long or it's in my yeah. personal closet. And maybe I tried to just throw it on Poshmark to get rid of it. Um, so just things that I'm super not attached to. Um, but also things like you said that would probably sell better there. But thread up is pretty similar. Um, I think it's my thread up, I, thread up, yeah, thread up. I would send things obviously that are, sorry to say, like junkier than yeah. to a consignment store. I'm, I'm gonna only give thread up things that I know the consignment store wouldn't take because you know they don't take certain brands. So right. I'm just gonna send it to thread up then. When you send things to thread up, and I know you're starting with the real real now too. Mm-hmm. How do you use those if you do like a clean out? kit type thing, not a partner kit. How do you use those funds? Do you use it to reinvest in your business or do you just collect the funds and then you're like, okay, well, this is my payout for all these pieces and count the rest of it as a loss. Like, how do you look at that when you, when you gather that money? I unfortunately have sent so many things to thread up um, and they still have not processed processed them. So I don't even have any funds (laughs) yet. So (laughs) I was going to, I'm going to put it back into my reselling. Um, but I still, I, they must have like four of my bags. Yeah. And I just, just finished all my bags from 2020. They just finished them all. That was clean out bags. My partner kids get, um, they, they, they do those really fast. So it's usually like within a few weeks they do partner kits, but the clean out bags. Yeah. Right. We're going like a year, a year and a half. And they finally like got through everything. Um, yeah, I'm in the same camp as once I get that money, I typically just, I deposit into my account and I just reinvest it into mm-hmm. something else. Or sometimes I'll look on the site and see if there's anything that I want from ThreadUp and I'll source that way, but I'm not a big, like sourcing on ThreadUp kind of person. Just, yeah. I don't know. I don't find it as, um, user-friendly as other platforms. I'm sure yeah. it's great, but I just, I don't know. ThreadUp is like, it just reminds me, like, this is such an awful comparison. And I'm so sorry if this comes out the wrong way. But like, I think of like Dollar Tree. Like when I think of Thread Up, yeah. like, that's kind of what I, like it's just a bunch of stuff and it's really affordable. And like the everyday, anyone can go in there and buy things, but it's like a hodgepodge of like random stuff. And yeah, that's how I feel about it. And I'm worried that when I get something that they're going to not describe it as, I don't know, it like, I get that they describe the condition of the item, but sometimes you don't even see what they're describing. Like they'll say, like, I'm talking about like purse. They don't show it. Oh, they don't show it. So I don't know, like, you know, is, does it actually look terrible or would I be okay with that? Right. When you say there's some wear, can you please show me the wear? But the real world does the same thing. They won't show it. So when you get it, you're like, all right, well, surprise, like you're going to open it up and you, you never yeah. know. There are times I've bought things on the real real and it says that it's in um, like good condition, like it's has marks and stuff on it and it's been new with tags before. So like, you know, it's just, it's frustrating as a shopper. It's a great surprise when you open it up or you're extremely disappointed when you open it. It's one or the other. Um, well, what's funny is I just started doing the real real and um, I sent them a pair of men's Ugg slippers that I should not have bought from Savers a few months ago. I broke my rule of I try not to buy shoes now if I if they don't have the size listed. Yeah. 
yep. because it's just, no, I'm not going to measure it. If no one's going to, I don't know. I have had so much bad luck with that. Like no one's going to buy it whatever. So I broke my rule because I was like, oh, these are men's Ugg slippers. They're the condition's fine. They're really not in good condition. And I sent it to the real, real. And man, that person is going to be disappointed who buys those <laughs> slippers because they photographed them beautifully. And I'm sure somehow, they did. <laughs> somehow don't look like anything is wrong with them. And so I'm like, I know you're going to return them if somebody buys them. <laughs> I know. I, um, I, so I recently bought something from the real, real, it was a dress and it said that it was, so it was new at tags and the dress was new at tags, but there was damage to the dress and it wasn't disclosed anywhere. I think they must've just saw the tag and they just kind of threw it up kind of thing. Well, when I got the piece, I contacted my rep and I was like, what the hell is this? There were holes everywhere. That was like, the silk was like rippling in different places. And I'm generally not that person, but I paid $30 for this. So not okay. So I, so what I ended up saying is like, I want to send this piece back to you and I just want to be refunded. Like, I don't like, I want nothing to do with this. So they okayed it. They, and it was a final sale piece and they generally are pretty strict with that, but because it was so bad, they were like, okay, you can earn it. They credited my account and they gave me $30 credit on top of it. I have to say they're really good when it comes to that kind of stuff. They recently damaged the St. John's cardigan that I had. It looks like when they were opening the box, they, the scissors might've clipped the piece. Uh, yeah. And there was like, there's like random holes everywhere. So when I recalled the item, which is crazy to me, I recalled it. So it's been sitting there and no one noticed it. No one noticed when they put it away in inventory that there were holes in it. Anyway, oh um, I, I emailed my rep again. I was like, um, I just got this piece back and it's completely damaged. So what are we going to do about it? And they were excellent about it. They gave me a hundred dollar credit plus they're wow. going to pay me out on the piece. So wow. when it comes to customer service, I know the real world can be tough when, it t- when people aren't happy with their commissions, all that kind of stuff. Their customer service is really good. Like they didn't have to give me free money and they do. And I just use it that's great. to buy stuff, right? Yeah. Like you give me a hundred dollar credit. Cool. I'm going to find something that's new, a tag that I can then flip, which is mm-hmm. what I do in my thread up stuff. Now I don't do clean out bags anymore. I do the partner kits and I do mm-hmm. the partner kits because a, I want to buy myself something, Right. Or B, I can use it to source, which is what a lot of people have been doing. They're like, okay, well, I'm just going to send this stuff in and I'm going to get whatever, $200 credit, $100 credit to Athleta, to Christy Dawn, to whatever it is. And then you can buy one piece and you have a new tag item coming to your house that now you can flip. And now you're just reinvesting your money in a different way. Like, I think so there's so smart. many creative ways to do it. Yeah. That's how I've been using the real, real and thread up. The real, real money that comes in, I, I use that as like, not to pay myself, but to put towards the things that I want to put towards. Mm-hmm. I don't get credits for the real, real. I want the cash. Um, but I mean, some people do do the credits and then just keep reinvesting their money that way. I mean, to each their do own. They, do they give you more for credits? I'm they so do. new to what I don't know. Yeah, they do. They, I forget what the percentage is. They give you a little bit more um, mm-hmm. for the credits. It can work in your favor. Like if you want to start dabbling in a different brands, right? You want to start dabbling in more of that mid-tier luxury. I'm not talking like Chanel. I'm talking like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Veronica Beard or oh, what's another good one? Alice McCall, like those kind of brands that you can find on Farfetch and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. A little more difficult to find the thrift store, kind of expensive if you find them in a consignment store, you know, but if you have the credits that you're building on the real real, try to find some of those pieces that you're always trying to find in the thrift store 
you know, get them and try them out that way. And now you've reinvested your real world money in a different way. And now you can use it as a platform to source off of, which I've enjoyed doing. Um, because I think one of the things I've wanted to do over the last year or so in terms of inventory and like figuring out where I want to be with my listings is my average selling price is anywhere between 55 to $65, right? On average, I would love for it to be in that like $85 mark because I'm doing less work on my end. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting pieces that are worth more. I don't have to have a ton of inventory in theory. Um, and that's kind of like, that. that's where I want my sweet spot to be in order to get to that next level. I've been using the real reel to do this. So I've been sourcing on there. Yes, it can be time consuming, it, you know, but I enjoy doing it because I can filter down to like the nitty gritty. It's still fun. It's still a thrill of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to get to that next level of inventory, I don't come across these brands when I'm thrifting in a thrift store. Like it can happen, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am not the only reseller in Rhode Island. Clearly I'm sitting with one right now. Like, you know, there's many of us here and because we're in new England, we all travel to different parts of new England to source. So I can't, I don't know who's coming in to whatever thrift store it is that I'm going in. It could be someone driving down from Maine for the day or Vermont and they're spending the day in Massachusetts and Rhode Island or the weekend. And they're just hitting up all the thrift stores and then driving back up. I mean, I don't know this competition. So how do I stay ahead of that? And how do I improve what listings I have. So that's kind of like the process that I've been on. Um, and this is why I struggle when I pick up donations because I do have a few people from the Nextdoor app that I became very friendly with during the pandemic. And they, they call me and they're like, hey, I have like six bags of things. Do you want it? Sure. And there are some things that I'll keep. Like this last round, um, I picked up four bags and she has four more that she's going to give me in the next couple of weeks. She's just finishing up cleaning out her closet. And there's some shoes that I kept. There were some nice Clark shoes. There were some New Balance sneakers some Puma sneakers, like things that I wouldn't pick up at the thrift store, but it's free. And it's more mm-hmm. listings and article sourcing maybe for a week or something. Um, I did keep some, oh, what do you call it? She, Sheen, Sheen, however mm-hmm. you say it. I kept two pieces. Cause I'm just, she only had two. And I was going to send it thread up. And I was like, you know what? I'm just curious. Like what does this look like to sell it on Poshmark? No attention. No one cares because there's so much of it. There's just so much yeah. of it. And it's a good side. They're plus sizes, but I think I'm just going to pull them when I send another thread out box. I can't get any labels right now, so it doesn't matter to me. But um, yeah, they're not moving. No likes, like nothing. It's wild to me. It is, but that is the benefit of getting free stuff because it is liberating to like ask yourself, okay, like, do I want to post this and just see how it goes? And then, you know, I didn't spend any money on it. Yeah. So, cause sometimes you will be surprised at the things that people buy that are the free items you get. And you're like, I would never have picked this up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think the Clark shoes will do well. I think the new balance sneakers will do well. Like I think that yeah. stuff will be just fine. Um, majority of the clothes I sent them in, I kept, um, Oh, she had a Madewell shirt. So I kept that because that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. She had a Madewell sweater and she had um, a Coldwater Creek, like a um, jacket, I guess, like a denim jacket kind of thing. So I kept those. And those aren't brands that I would pick up in the thrift store. But if I were the bins, I might pick it up, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that plays a part in it too. Um, bins aren't super close to us. Don't yeah. really feel like driving there and gas is really expensive. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's just a lot of factors that, don't lead us to go to the bins because it is a drive to get there. We're crossing three States, right? It's an event. 
it, it really you is. have to plan for going. <laughs> it really is. Um, and the thrift store prices are high here. I mean, it's just yeah. a fact. They have gone up and because of just everything, life, right? This They have to account for a lot of stuff too. So you have to be really selective in these stores, unless you catch a really crazy sale or you're at a yard sale or something, you know, like, so brands that you get in these free lots can change the way your inventory looks. So I think it just depends what model you want to go with too. All of this Mm -hmm. goes into like reevaluating your listings. Um, The other thing too, is I like to, and I don't know if you like to do this too. I like to go to like local buy, sell trade or consignment stores and just get an idea of like what they're selling and what it looks like and do my listings mimic what's going on in the stores and are there pieces in here that now I can take to flip you know like do you go into stores like that and just kind of get an idea I never do um and I need to like I I did listen you must have mentioned it recently I thought I need to do that um yeah because we don't have tons of I sell trades in Rhode Island but but, um, you know, I really don't, but I, I need to do that. And I have been wanting to, I do have a pile of stuff I need to bring there anyway. So. Yeah. I think it's fun here. Like you said, we don't have anything really here. There's a couple, but like they're super high end or it's just not a place where we would really go yeah. to. Um, they're the one in, have you, sorry guys, side talk or Island talk here. The one in North Providence. Have you been to that one? Blackbird? Blackbird. I have been there once. Yeah. So she focuses on high end stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to make an appointment with her and she's super particular. So I've wanted to bring stuff to her, but I've always kind of been like, "Mm, I don't know what this is going to look like. And I don't think she does upfront payout. I don't know. Um, But maybe, maybe I will just go in on a day that they're open and not not make a consignment appointment, like just go in and get an idea. But she's like, she's luxury high end. But I also think she carries some mid-tier stuff. So she might be one that we does. She does. Because I, the one time I went in there, I bought a loft shirt. So there you go. (laughs) Cause I remember thinking when I was in there, like, wow, even though she does have a lot of luxury in the case and around the store, there was a, there were a lot of mall brands that um, the consignment store near me, um, Urban Thread in Providence, they definitely wouldn't take. Yeah. Um, not say that they're bad, but like a lot of like old Navy things like that. Interesting. And so I don't know. Yeah. I've never been to Buffalo thing. exchange. I would love to go to Buffalo exchange, oh, but they're all in Boston. I haven't. I know. I want to go. Cause I always see Lori going, I, I, I want to go there in the, the pit. Yes. I want to go. I haven't been to the pit either. <laughs> there's a few spots in Boston that I haven't been to, but the Buffalo exchanges, I know there's like a few like downtown. Um, mm-hmm. and I would like to just see what that looks like. We don't have crossroads around here. I don't think we do, um, but we really don't have that many so. options. Maybe we need to open oh. up a Buffalo exchange in Rhode Island. Maybe, maybe we just need to do that. Seriously. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> our one goodwill and our millions of savers. Oh, I, it's people it's don't understand it. People don't, they're like, that's all you have is savers. I'm like saver, salvation, salvation army and one goodwill. It's all true. Salvation yes. army. Yeah. That's what we have. The <laughs> salvation army is like the saving grace. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, our goodwill, the one that's in Rhode Island and the one that's like on the border of Rhode Island and mass are just mm-hmm. God awful. Yeah. They're awful. Yeah. We don't have good sales. Savers doesn't do sales besides their coupons now, which is I'm really so sad. mad about that. Yeah. I'm they don't so do anything. Salvation army has a color for the week, but good luck trying to find anything in that color yeah. or the half off colors. Sometimes you'll find things, but like those get wiped real quick. 
Um, yeah, we don't like, we don't have the luxury of dollar days. Like some of you guys, it's very frustrating, yeah. but I hear people talk about it. I'm like, I envy all of what you. is that? Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> what are you talking about? Cause we pay full price for everything. <laughs> um, anyway, digress. So, all right, we're at the point where we've looked at our listings and we've cleaned out our inventory. Now we've kind of, and I know I do this, I create my piles, right? Like you're going to go to thread up. You're going to go to donations because no one wants you. And we're just going to try to donate it because it makes me feel better about myself, even though it's probably going to sit there too, because I've seen things that I've donate sit at the thrift store as well. But you uh, get a coupon. Yeah. Ooh, my whole <laughs> I know. Um, you know, all, we have all these different things. Do I need to, maybe I'll give some stuff to a family member. Like maybe I keep some things for myself. Like we have all these different piles that we create and we have to go through all of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you do this on a like monthly basis? Do you do this when you feel like it, when you feel like you need to do it? Like what's your process with it when you create your piles? Um, or do you not create I, piles? I do create piles. Um, I kind of have ongoing piles. So um, I have all my inventory at my mom's house in my childhood bedroom. I, I just this. live in a very small apartment. I have not even enough cloth. I don't have a closet like a lot of closets at all um so fortunately and unfortunately it's there um but so what I'll do is when I go home to retrieve whatever items I've sold or if I designate a day to just go through the craziness that is that room I will um you know notice stuff while I'm pulling an item and be like hey what is why do I still have this shirt Mm-hmm. do I even have the shirt listed? I don't even remember ever like seeing the shirt recently and I'll try to pull stuff. So I'll, um, I always have an ongoing pile for consignment. Um, I always have an ongoing pile for thread up and now I'm trying to pull stuff for the real real. So I'll just wait until let's say like I have a box right now that I actually was adding stuff to for thread up for today. So I'll wait until the box is full and then I'll send it in and then I'll just find another box and do the same thing. So I'll just try to wait until I have a significant amount of anything, um, to like make it worth my time making a consignment appointment or, um, you know, sending something to thread up or the real, real. Yeah. I was before the camp of like filling a box right away and sending it out, but I've noticed as time has gone on over the last year or so, it's actually difficult for me to do that now because I'm not finding the same amount of stuff, whether, Mm -hmm these companies are pulling it for themselves and listing it on eBay or, you know, whatever, whatever, that's their prerogative. They're allowed to do that, right? They're acquiring this stuff. Um, they're the supplier. So what I'm doing now is basically the same thing. Like I'll buy things. I start a box and it basically sits off here to the side where I'm sitting and I'll have like a thread up one. And I have right now I have a big real, real one. And I have a medium sized thread up one. And then once they're filled, print the label, put it on and like send it off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am noticing that I maybe I'm not doing it as frequently as I was before. I think I'm holding on to more pieces and trying to sell them myself. Like 
giving myself the confidence to try to sell certain things. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I've noticed that I can sell certain things myself. So it's encouraging. Uh, But then I I still do the same process that like at my three month mark, I reevaluate some pieces and then some pieces I'll keep and other things I'll like, all right, I'll reevaluate you in six months. So I'm Mm -hmm. still reevaluating items at the three month mark and now the six month mark. And I kind of like have that process going. Once an item hits 90 days, that's where I'm really like, okay, I've had you for 90 days. I've tried a few different things with you. What do I do with you at this point? And I know some people might say, well, 90 days is still kind of young. You just need the right buyer. But I don't, that's just not how my brain works. And that's yeah. not how I like to run my business. If something is sitting for 90 days and I've dropped the price or I've sent offers or, you know, I've done all the things that I can do. I've relisted it because I've at least relisted it once at this point. And it's still not moving, getting a lot of attention. Well, I think it's the piece or I'm not the right seller for it. Mm-hmm. But let me find the right seller for it. My new thing that I want to do is I want to start creating piles for consignment and then driving to either a Buffalo exchange or something or finding a consignment store that's that I could work with um, and having a pile and creating an income stream that way too. So I'm not waiting on thread up and the real real to process stuff because their processing time is taking a little bit, even with the real real, it's taking like two to four weeks for them to fully go through your box and all that kind of stuff. It's gotten a little bit better they still take another two weeks or so to list it and everything. And sometimes your item is now out of the cycle of that season that it's supposed to be mm-hmm. listed for. So now you run into a situation where it's automatically getting marked down because you may have sent it in January, but now it's March and they're starting to transition things into spring and it's a heavy wool sweater. You know what I mean? And it, it's like, yeah. Well, now what's the point of it being listed now? Now it's going to sell at a discounted price. I could have sold it at $20 kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe I did try and, and you just, it's frustrating when that happens. So I think a part of me wants to just adventure into that consignment realm, kind of like what you're doing and see what that feels like, see what it looks like. Does it work for me? Does it not work for me? Make the money that I can make and then restructure the way I need to. I think consignment mm-hmm. can really play a big part in your inventory clean out process and kind of like figuring out, is this a new way for me to create an extra stream? It doesn't have to make a ton of money, but enough for you to like, I don't know, use it as bonus money, I guess, consider it like mm-hmm. a bonus. It can be liberating um, because like, for instance, I recently had a consignment appointment last month and I just, you know, bought what it brought, whatever items, but I did bring more items that or clothes that I might have held on and to sell in Poshmark, but they weren't something that I would have sold otherwise. Like it was just something that was personally mine yeah. that I liked. But like for example, I had a Sag Harbor, bought it a million years ago at Savers, like old <laughs> skirt. <laughs> it's really cute and it's totally like still in. It's like a maxi skirt length. It um has like slits up the sides pockets high-waisted it's just like a black from my polka dot skirt yeah. so it's cute but it's sag harbor it's not yeah that's not a yeah that's not a brand that i need to pull some poshmark but yeah. anyway i brought it to the consignment store it's perfectly cute and somebody's gonna buy it they already did it sold like within a day so yeah. it so stylistically i think you can sell more stuff just for style purposes at consignment so for that it's nice because if you have something that maybe you did buy because you thought it was cute, but it isn't selling for you on a site um, for whatever reason, 
you know, I think you could bring it there. Also, I think that if you do start sourcing for consignment, not saying that people should, but I do would say that I have a lot of luck selling um, like earrings and accessories. If I actually think about that, the thing is, I don't normally hmm. think about that because I don't sell that on Poshmark, yeah. but if I'm ever going through my own earrings, because I do have just like that, that's what, something that I love to buy. Um, not necessarily like amazingly expensive ones, which is why I'll flip them at consignment stores. But I would say I have tons of luck selling stuff like that because they also don't get a super big influx of those items. Right. So there's a greater attention to them in the store because they have such a hmm. small quantity. So that's also something that you could either go through your, your own items or you could casually look at savers because I know sometimes they do have really cute, yeah. super cheap $1.99 earrings that then you could flip and make, you know, at least $20. So good point. I never thought about it. even like belts or hats or stuff like that. Like that whole accessory. Definitely. Yes. Any random accessory. I'm bringing them a lot of, um, I just put a pile together today of like random sack bags I have that have been sitting because I know that I can send them to thread up, but I'd rather physically have the cash at this point. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't blame you. Especially with how long it takes them to process. Yeah. Things. Yeah. And I think like what you touched upon before going, uh, being a part of these buy nothing groups that you've really focused on, you know, over this period of time, um, not only is it helping you keep your cost of goods down, but it's also helping you kind of experiment with different categories. So then when you're done with your internship and you've, you know, graduated and all that kind of stuff and you're in your full-time position and you want to start going to thrift stores more, right? Let's say something that you decide that you want to do. You feel a little more confident going into these different categories that other resellers may not go into. So it's actually it's, a good I, play. Yeah. I do. It has, I've gotten a lot of items that I wouldn't have necessarily picked up or things that I just wouldn't have found. Um, I, I mean, I, the, the east side of Providence is a varied area, so it does have a lot of college students, a lot of wealthy people, and mm -hmm. a lot of in-between. So I did, the things that I picked up were a reflection of that. So it was kind of liberating to see like, okay, this college girl gave me some of her Forever 21. I was like Forever 21. <laughs> she and her like weird clothes that she clearly got at Savers um, yeah. to flip um, or, um, you know, the other hand of the um, end of the spectrum I got like a bunch of Max Mara stuff um good <laughs> yeah like just random thing um like opening ceremony really cute things or just like not even brands necessarily someone gave me just like a ton of bras um their kids leotards things like that so like kids clothes things that I wouldn't normally dabble in but it caused me to now that I physically have the items you know mm -hmm. what am I going to do with it so that's another thing too. I don't, we, I, I'm not a kid's clothes seller, but I think that's like a whole nother market that it can be profitable big time. I, I really want to get into it. I went to not, you know, super into it, but I want to get slightly into it. Yeah. Um, I recently went to like our local, like, I don't know if it's called children's orchard, whatever. One of those buys the, the things. children's, I know what you're talking about. It's like, I don't know. It's one of Warwick. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, because I had those kids leotards and I do have plenty of my own. I danced all throughout my life, but I was like, let me try it with these ones. They didn't even have, um, they took out all the tags. So these were just completely right. used kids leotards, no tags. I was like, let me really see, you know, how right. these are going to do. I mean, I, I 
think they took like five. I still got $10. Not saying that's that that's not like bad. a huge thing, but I was able in the time that I was in the store waiting for them to price those items, I was able to take the time to look around and see what kind of items they have because I'm not in a children's store. I don't have any children, right. not buying for anybody. So I was able to see what kind of items that they take. So it was really interesting to learn because now I know I have a local spot that I like to go to where everything is basically a dollar to a dollar fifty. I know I they always get tons of really nice kids' clothes like Columbia and North Face jackets. Nice. But when I was in the Spice Hill Trade, you know, they're pricing this little kids Columbia jacket at $50. So so now I know for next year, okay you know, for next year, cause I'm not going to hold on to more winter inventory. You know, I'll, I'll start looking at some high-end kids clothes to just flip, just experiment. So, yeah, but I think there's so many different ways to get creative with inventory too. And especially being in that buy nothing group, it kind of forces you to just look at all these different things yeah. without actually having the inventory in your household for long periods of time. So I think that's where the hangup is for a lot of people too. And they have to like, look around to be like, all right, I have all this stuff, Mm -hmm. like categorizing it, like we talked about before and figuring out, okay, I can still acquire this stuff, but I'm just going to immediately, once I compile it, send it off to wherever it needs to Mm -hmm. go to. I think that's just a practice in general that we probably should all do more often. Like, yeah, acquire all the things you want to acquire. It's fine, but just have a place for it to go. If you don't want it to be in your personal inventory that you're housing and, and selling and shipping and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't want to house and ship a lot of stuff that I get for free. All right. So my last thing that I have on here is, I guess, a personal question to both of us, but what have you learned through this process of going through inventory and analyzing your data in these last few years that you've been reselling? Like, are there things that you wish you did differently? Let's talk about like the last year. Cause I feel like that's, that's fair. Um, are there new like business things that you want to explore now that you're, you feel more comfortable and you kind of have your handle on these buy nothing groups and thrifting, right? Like prioritizing them both and kind of just talk about like the self-reflection on all of that. I think what I've learned recently is before, when I first started reselling, I was selling mostly from my own closet, but then sourcing things that I thought would sell well that I liked brand wise and style wise, but then I tried to get out of buying so much stuff from the thrift store, um, and spending all that money and not necessarily seeing myself make it back quickly. Um, so as I've started to try to make my cost of goods as low as possible, but still being happy with the items I'm selling, um, I have noticed that it is, while it's important to get my cost of goods low, it, I still need to get things that I enjoy selling because now my problem was I was relying so much on the free things from the groups and trying to post them all or most of them in hopes that, oh, someone randomly is going to buy this weird item I've posted that I lost sight of what I actually enjoyed picking up, enjoyed selling, enjoyed looking at. Um, So I think that I need a better blend the two. So I think that, well, Yes, I like getting free stuff from others. Um, I really need to start um, being really selective about what I'm spending my time posting because yeah. I can definitely send those things off to ThreadUp or the Real Real or all, wherever you know, content or wherever. But I need to just decide quickly. Okay, is this something that I actually like? 
And then I think somebody would like to buy yes or no moving on because now I've just held on to, if you look at my closet on Poshmark now, it's a lot better, but it's because I just went through it. It was such a hodgepodge of just random stuff. And I thought, you know, if somebody, I like to keep a variety of sizes because I think that's important mm -hmm. because I think there should, I like to like look at my closet sometimes and just type in like, okay, size 14 pants. If somebody was buying size 14, how many are there? Like, I like to have at least a few so that if somebody wanted the option to buy something to save on shipping and buy more things in my closet, they would get that opportunity because I like that as well when I'm buying stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was starting to be a hodgepodge of not just, I had a lot of sizes from things that I was picking up, but I had just tons of stuff that all the styles were all over the place. All the types of clothes were all over the place. Like nobody would be able to get a bunch of things that they liked because I just had a bunch of crazy things. So yeah. I think you really need to look at what's working for you and what you enjoy selling. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes to find that balance of like things that you enjoy and things that you like to sell. And then the things that are actually selling for you, because whether we like it or not, we acquire a certain kind of customer based off of what we sell. And you kind of become known for being that kind of seller without even realizing it. Like the way your store looks attracts a certain kind of customer. And you kind of have to think about, I mean, I know I think about that when I list stuff and it's funny because you've said it before and other people say it before, like, I know when it's one of your items, like I know when I'm on Poshmark or whatever. And I look through something and I'm like, Oh, that's definitely a piece from Daniela because there's just, mm -hmm. you just know what people pick up when you get to know people and you're friendly with people. I can spot something from someone a mile away. If it's someone that I follow, whatnot. Right now, the other part of it is I also like to sell what I like to sell. So maybe it doesn't mm -hmm. move for me as the way that other pieces move for me, but I still want to try it. I still want to do it. And it may not sell right away. And it's finding the balance of like what you like and what you want and then what actually works. And I think that's like the hardest thing to do when it's your own business because you're mm -hmm. so attached to everything. You don't and want to hoard everything. Yeah, well, that's the other thing too, because yeah. you don't want to, it's hard to admit that you made a mistake. Like, why isn't this moving? It should be moving. What, I don't understand what's wrong with it. It's got everything going for it that I thought that I was going to have going for it. And it's just not doing it. And finding that realization in yourself, like, all right, you live, you learn, you move on kind of thing. But it's really hard, especially when it's your own business, when it's a big retailer that you're working for and mm -hmm. things have to get marked down because they didn't move that season. You're not attached to it. It's not your, you didn't spend your money on it. You're just the one selling it for the company. So it's like, oh, these really didn't move. I thought they would. There's no real attachment to them though. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm -hmm. When it's your own stuff that you're filling into your store, even though it's a virtual store, very difficult to separate that. And I, I think it's the power of numbers and the power of like just data in general helps us to be a little more unbiased. And mm -hmm. look at the bigger and the bigger picture. I know I've done a better job this year of that, of like really taking a look 
on a weekly or biweekly and monthly basis. Okay, where am I at? Did I beat last year? What does last year look like compared to this year? What are the categories that are selling? Like really looking at all that stuff and understanding, okay, are these categories selling a lot now because I have so much of it? Or are yes. they selling because these are actually good pieces? I think that requires some digging because sometimes I sell a lot of jeans. So jeans is always a high category, but like, I need to dig deeper than that. What jeans are selling, what styles mm-hmm. are selling just because jeans are performing well. Well, yeah. When you have 200 pieces of jeans, they're going to be your top selling piece. Um, so like understanding what that data really means. I'm a big data person anyway, because it's what I do for work, but um, I just, to, in order to grow and run an efficient business, you need to have some kind of tool. I don't care what tool it is. I don't care if you create one. I don't care if you buy one. You need something that you need to follow so that you can see where you're at. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And that's my spiel on that. <laughs> I have a program that I use, but you can use a spreadsheet that you create or you can write it down on pen and paper. I don't, it doesn't matter. You need something to reflect on. It can't just all be based off of emotion. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have like a super official system. I just, I'm constantly trying to improve from the last year, the prior month, you know, trying to just see what worked last month, what didn't work this month. But again, like also you have to be realistic of like what the month is like, just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, for example, what algorithm is Poshmark pushing out today? Yeah, exactly. Like, is it, is it the Christmas season? Is it tax season? Is it super high gas? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is gas $4 and 29 cents today? Or is it three ninety? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. So you have to be realistic with that too, because I think, um, it's been hard for me and for a lot of people for you as well, like for sales recently with Poshmark and everything. Um, so like I have been holding on to certain items that I probably would have let go at this point or tried to evaluate what I'm, what I should do next with it. But just because I know that people probably aren't spending as much as they normally are, I'm willing to take, to hold on to something a little bit longer right now. Yeah. I'm definitely in that camp too. I'm definitely not sending as much as I probably mm-hmm. would have. I'm holding on to a few pieces and I'm also trying to be more realistic with pricing. I think when you're in a place where um, there aren't so many factors affecting people's livelihood. You can allow for that little bit of inflation within your pricing. I don't think inflation that's happening in the world right now can correlate to inflation in your, in your online store. I don't mm. think it works because people are looking for a deal. So if you yes. inflate your prices, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work the same way. So perfect way to end the episode. Um, I don't know if you watched the video where I found an anthropology um, coat that's like, it, it's like a- Oh, that, that red one? Yeah, the red one. That the one that's one? like, I, yes. Okay. So I found that in Boston. I paid 20 bucks for it. And I have it listed at $450, something ridiculous because Did that's what some it? solds were. Well, I just got an offer for $200. And a part of me is like, oh, I just want to hold on to it a little bit longer because it's like a collectible piece. But why am I going to be so stupid, right? Like just accept it. You paid 20. She's giving me 200, but this is the dilemma that I'm having because I feel like if things were a little bit better right now, I probably would counter and, or just hold out, right? And be like, no, I'm sorry, I can't take it. But I, Uh, the Poshmark algorithm is 
just unpredictable at the moment because it's learning, right? I'm going to be positive about it. It's a learning system. It's AI. They're tweaking things. All right. So like I either have a push of sales one day and then have nothing another day. Mm -hmm. It is what it is, but I know it's not going to be consistent like what I'm used to. Okay. Do I just take the 200 and be happy with it? And it's a lower comp for that coat, but okay. It has a little bit of peeling on the leather. Like some of the little hooks have some peeling and stuff. It's not in perfect condition. Or do I message her and be like, Hey, thanks so much for your offer, but could you meet me at, I don't know, 275, but is it worth it at that point? Do I just take the 200? I don't know. Uh, right. Here's my dilemma. Uh, I would probably take the 200, but I would, I, get, but I would be, but I would be sad, but I think I would, because I feel like it's going to be one of those things that you're going to think about in like mm-hmm. four months and you're going to be like, why didn't I take 200 hours? Because right. that's not necessarily that bad of an offer. Like, it's not no, like they not. sent you like $50, right? It's you know what I mean? It's not insulting. No, it's not. And she clearly knows that the coat was valuable. Right. Yeah. And it's just sitting in my closet. Yeah. So yeah, and I've had it for two months. I think I'm gonna take it. But I think I, think I would. I think with the how the climate of everything is to even get a two hundred dollar offer right now is yeah. is really good. Just like yeah. I sold that Oscar de la Renta dress on Thursday of last week. I didn't anticipate to sell it for five hundred. I I don't know. I listed it what like the retail and that was like a thousand. I'm not gonna sell it for that much, obviously. Yeah. But I thought I was gonna sell it for like two seventy five, three fifty. That's great. Those buyers still exist. They're just harder to come by, I guess, because yes. the majority of people in today's world are, are struggling to make ends meet within groceries alone are impossible. Mm. <laughs> like it's so expensive. So the fact that people are even still buying clothing online, like we're very fortunate that we're even able to make sales right now. Yes. So moral of the story, I'm going to ex- accept the $200 offer, even though it kind of hurts me a little bit. I really can't complain well and we're going to be moving into the I think I don't really enjoy spring and summer stuff because I think it's, I hate selling it <laughs> so it'll be your last someone. hurrah of like I know coats for a while but I've sold coats in the summertime too so I don't know we'll see I just accepted the offer and her payment went through so all is yeah. well um but you know it's I like to pick up winter year round. (laughs) That's just who I am. And when the spring and summer stuff comes out, I can't tell you like the nausea that comes over my body when I see all the tank tops at Savers. And I'm like, I am not going through all those sleeveless shirts. No, Uh, thank you. (laughs) Just imagine working there and having to like put them all back on the hairs. Nope. I don't look at shorts. I don't look at the capris. I don't look at, I'm like, Oh, look, long sleeve blouses, button ups. Great. That's where yes, we're going to go. Yes. <laughs> I'll look at dresses, but it's about as far as it going. So all of you guys who live around us that want to go buy all the sleeveless tops have at it. Cause I'm not looking at them. <laughs> all right, Madison, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope this was fun for you. Thank you. It's wonderful. Here. Good. I'm glad. And I hope you guys that are listening maybe learn something new or are thinking about the different ways that you can start to reevaluate your business as we're heading into spring and looking into quarter two. And, you know, there are lots of different factors in the world, like we just said, and sometimes it's just a matter of accepting the lower offer or changing your pricing. And maybe it's the items that you have, but do the research, take the time to do it with, you know, for yourself and for your business and 
let us know different things that you like to do on Instagram to help yourself and your business to reevaluate what's going on. Sometimes it's just life. <laughs> Sometimes it has nothing to do with the actual pieces and it's just the world around you. <laughs> but we will be back next week. Um, Jen and I are going to do a deep dive on Levi's next week. Like the oh. history of Levi's jeans. Yeah. Um, different styles. Yeah, me too. It's, it's going to be definitely a Jen episode. I'm going to do as much research as I can, but she is like an expert when it comes to Levi's. So I'm excited for that. And I can't wait for you guys to listen to the episode next week. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Thanks.